and welcome to Wayward Parents, a supernatural prequel podcast where four supernatural veterans and finale deniers watch the Winchesters. My name is Abigail and I'm one of your hosts. My pronouns are they, them. My name is Beth and my pronouns are she, her. My name is Elena and my pronouns are she, they. And my name is KJ and my pronouns are also she and they. And today we're going to be talking about the pilot episode of the Winchesters, the first full episode that is actually <laughs> officially aired. <laughs> It's finally supernatural content in 2022. How are we feeling, fam? Oh, there are some emotions that are (laughs) happening in my body. (laughs) I'm in a state of shock. (laughs) This is honestly, this is how I felt like post finale. Like speaking of us being finale deniers, like it it took me a solid like week to get angry about the finale because I just like felt like nothing for a few days and mm-hmm. it's been four days and I feel nothing so you've got three more days and then it's really gonna hit you yeah yeah <laughs> by the time episode two airs it'll have hit I think that's the thing I think I need a second episode to like kick it in that this is an ongoing thing <laughs> yeah I watched the finale and then stayed up all night getting drunk and writing a fix it fic that I posted at 9 a.m because that's where I was at Later, I'm gonna <laughs> need you to send me the link to that Oh yeah, immediately. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the show notes and everything. Please do. Okay. Did anyone have a point that they like wanted to start with? Like, do we have any kind of idea where we want to go oh, with this discussion? I have a thing, I, have a thing I want to start with. Amazing. Okay, so first, first, I would like to give the editing team that made all of the trailers and promos a round of applause for the way that the yeah. trailers and promos were edited. Truly not what I was expecting from the show. I'd also like to tell them to fuck off for gaslighting us all because they <laughs> legitimately made me feel crazy. <laughs> yeah, Genuinely, the whole fucking thing about Henry and when he disappeared and all of the discussion like, we had about sh- that. We spent like 20 minutes talking about what does it mean that Henry's maybe not dead. And I feel like I screwed up my bingo card because of that. Like I, I literally feel like I I put I took things off my bingo card that I would have left on. I changed things like I they, they just messed with me and and you know what? good for them they did a good job. Some other scenes in this episode like the Carlos scenes I did not expect the like sandwich reading scene and the like water gun scene to be part of the same scene. Oh my god, the sandwich reading scene sent me. Like, because we got them in two different promos, and mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting them to be connected. And I wasn't expecting, like, I, I'm glad for it, but, like, how much of the trailer was just from the pilot? Like, I appreciate that, because I feel like they didn't give away stuff for later on in the season. They really just gave us, like, this is in the They pilot. gave us a pilot teaser, is what they did. Yeah. Which I think is pretty common because like they yeah. haven't oh for sure. They hadn't probably filmed a lot of this season when they put that pilot yeah. like when they put that together, but like it makes me more excited though, because yeah. I feel like I have very little idea what's coming next for multiple reasons. I genuinely yeah. think like they're keeping their cards close to their fucking chests. Because what I realized, like watching the episode, and like full disclosure, we have all watched the episode multiple times since it aired. I watched it twice in the first night. <laughs> <laughs> so Literally, what I realized was the dialogue that we get from Dane talking about, like, you know, at the beginning and the end of the episode is almost pretty much exactly word for word what Jensen has been saying at cons and on panels and interviews. And I was like, he was just reading us the fucking script this whole time. Like, Jensen told us exactly what was happening (laughs) many, many times. And we were like, he's being cryptic. And uh, I mean, yes, but he was being cryptic as (laughs) Dane. 
him his line like I, I hate to like jump to this already just because we just started talking but like we're gonna go all over the place anyway. yeah this is gonna um, be like the most bullshit yeah it <laughs> bears being said if you haven't seen the episode yet uh you're gonna want to do have. that yeah please go watch it first otherwise i mean like proceed with uh, proceed at your own risk yeah unless you're you know if you would prefer to hear us talk about it because you're not watching it that is also great. We are not going to go in any sort of linear But we're going to spoil it, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, until then, I'll keep picking the music. Like, Jensen really said, fuck your god one theory. I am going to make Dean Winchester have a redemption arc. And it's, I'm, I'm so tinfoil hat clown nose on everything. I really, really hope that's true. I, I'm, I'm still like very wary. But I really I'm not. that's true. <laughs> Do you want to talk? Okay. I mean, if once we're into this, if we're into this scene, we're into this scene. So I do just want to talk about it. Cause I have spent the last four days on Twitter, <laughs> like watching everybody cry because you went to back, you know, as they should. And as I have stated, I I've I've gone to a place of emotional numbness where I'm just not feeling anything about any of this. So like I am not sitting here crying because you went to back on my screen. But like I feel like I'm just like I'm seeing other things and like I'm just seeing that Dean Winchester seems a little bit sad like he's picking yeah. the music and there's no one shutting their cake all like he's by himself in that car there's no Sam there's no Cass there's no Jack he's just by himself and he seems sad about it someone on Twitter pointed out the color palette yes and I don't remember I who it was thread. and then I posted in a discord and Val pointed out was like I was like what do you want us to talk about and she was like the colors and like point out that the colors we get of Dean are not the color palette that we saw of him in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. It's very cool. and they're not the it's color cool. palette of the rest of the show. Like they're very different from the other scenes. Like, and we yeah. talked about this in our trailer discussion, but like it's mm-hmm. it's the most reminiscent of OG Supernatural. Like yes. it yeah. really is. This is a different time. This is a different place. Yeah, it does not t- feel like heaven. Mm-mm. And based yeah. on the, also the things about you know. Dean maybe taking a hiatus from heaven, which was kind of swirling around uh, last week and a week before. Yeah. And I actually, before we move too far on from this scene, I did take a screenshot of, we've talked about Dean Wasabi or Dean Wasabi before, but yeah. they did tweet, Dean said he was picking the music over the song, I'd Love to Change the World. And I didn't I, know that that was yeah. the song, but I was like, okay. oh, we're going to bring that shit up. So- I... <laughs> Yes. I did research. So this song plays twice in the episode. It plays when John's getting off the bus and then it plays again uh, when, like... So both times is when Dean's narrating? Both of the narrations. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. This song came out in 1971. It was the lead single off of the album A Space and Time. It's the band's only top 40 hit. What's the band again? Ten Years After. Oh wow, there are layers yeah. to the choice. Here, of this yeah, song. there are layers oh. here. And we know Jensen and Daniil have talked about the music being a really significant Yeah. The music and costuming being really important to the design of this show. It's also a song that's about like the world being in a confused state and specifically talks about the Vietnam War. Like it is Oh my gosh. <laughs> very okay, but no. 
I just have to point this out because if we're going to talk about Jensen and Daniil making a big deal about music, we also have to remember that this is being written and show run by Robbie D. Thompson, Robbie mm-hmm. Goodbye Stranger Thompson, who yes. like literally names episodes after the songs that are prominently featured in them. Yes. So like all three uh-huh. of them. Can I just, this is, I sent you guys a message earlier today and I said, <laughs> guys, waiting I all day for this. have a batshit crazy brains take that I'm going to share. I lied. I actually have two. And this is Great. one of them. Cornelia Street. Now, I don't know if I'm I maybe had this, the... no, 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 I had it in my notes too. You know, okay. <laughs> Other than KJ, Elena, Abigail, do you have any, like, does Cornelia Street ring any fucking bells for you guys? It means nothing to me. What is that? Okay, if you Google Cornelia Street, <laughs> the first response, and I did have Naomi, who is not a Swifty, Google this for me Nothing. to make sure that it was not just my fucking search preferences, but Cornelia Street. Would you like to know the lyrics? Because what's fucking fascinating is I think I listened to this song all morning. I went for a walk for like 30 minutes before this call and I listened to this song all morning. What the fuck are these lyrics? Right? There are themes oh. of miscommunication. There are themes of driving. There are themes of like literally so mary through the episode so many times specifies i will walk away do you know how many fucking times <laughs> you can read this song like an argument between john and mary and i'm not kidding like i wait I'm is going... this song in the episode no but it no. is the address that john gets sent to cornelia street 29 cornelia street and we have <laughs> canon dean likes taylor swift um supernatural yeah. like that's canon and Swifty Natural is now officially canon. <laughs> I would, I, I'm insane about both Supernatural and Taylor Swift. So when I saw Cornelia Street, I was like, oh, that's funny. And then I thought about the song and I was like, oh, that's not funny. That's insane. <laughs> I, I literally wrote in my notes, the address is 29 Cornelia Street and the Swifty and me could not let that slide without bringing it up. <laughs> I believe, can't believe I haven't seen this on fucking Twitter. I haven't this seen it anywhere. I'm hearing about it. I haven't seen it anywhere. I was okay, like, we're going to have to... Be- you heard it here first, folks. Can I please draw your attention to like a couple of the lyrics? Because I'm okay. Take us to church, Beth. Take let's, us to church. So let's look at the first, the first like verse, right? I would like to take us through. We were a fresh page on the desk, filling in the blanks as we go. The journal, obviously, right? As if the street lights pointed in an arrowhead leading us home. So Dean's on that fucking Shut straight up. stretch of road, right? Okay. And then it goes into the chorus. And I think that you can read this like a fucking argument. So it's like two people are just, they're talking at each other, not to each other. Right. So I hope I never lose you. Hope it never ends. I'm going to say that's John followed by I'd never walk Cornelia street again, because Mary is talking about how she wants to walk away. Right. So Cornelia street being the address of where they just found like bunker 2.0. I'd never walk Cornelia street again. If I had the choice, I would never walk it again. Then back to John. That's the kind of heartbreak time could never mend being like, if I lost you, right. That would be the kind of heartbreak time could never mend. And then Mary again specifies I'd never walk Cornelia street again. So like, she's trying to leave this life. And John's like, if I ever lost you from this, like, do you like see where my brain is going? Yes. yes. And then it literally is like, it specifies, and baby, I get mystified by how the city screams your name, which I'm like, Florence, Kansas, 
obviously like you can read that from either of their perspectives Mm -hmm. but like specifically like the Winchester's garage like it's like everywhere on screen so I would probably lean more to that interpretation Mm. but then it goes into I'm so terrified of if you ever walk away and then again I'd never walk Camellia Street again I'd never walk Camellia Street again and I shit you not like that That first section of the song is the part that makes my brain go burr but it wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if we could continue going through it oh, we, and we find definitely more. Could. There's a whole section about back when we were card sharks playing games, I thought you were leading me on. And I was like, the pool table in the fucking bunker 2.0. There's a line later about- About religion. Um, years, yeah, years and you know, we were just inside barefoot in the kitchen, sacred new beginnings, that became my religion. Like thinking yeah. about John's oh obsession over Mary after she's dead. Taylor like, Swift yeah. is like a masterful songwriter and like a lot of her songs yeah. can fit supernatural, but like oh, yeah. this is this Uncanny. is very much a- <laughs> I want to point out like one of the things that I wanted to talk about that kind of goes along with this is like there's a moment, I mean it happens several times in the episode where Mary's like, I'm gonna walk away, I'm gonna walk away. And John like asks her questions about what that means. Like, what do you want? You know, why do you want to walk away? Why would you leave this all? And the last time they have that conversation, John gets this expression because it's right after he's had the scene with Millie where he's been like saving people, hunting things. Like, I think I was born to do this. He's been like, this is what I'm doing. Like this, I am turning the corner. This is the path I am taking. And then immediately contrasted with this scene where Mary's like, I don't know what I want, but I know I don't want this. And like they are starting out their relationship already on different paths. Like Mary is on her way out of hunting and John is embracing it. And that is fascinating. Oh yeah. It's fascinating. Like they are doomed. They're gonna do not it opposite. because of their futures, but because of this. Like this is when they're doomed. Like already. <laughs> it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. That is wild. What was your second theory? Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is the one you texted us about. This is the one that I, I messaged about. Now I have been, one of the things that I have missed about Supernatural not airing is I am a huge, like, I love reading everyone's meta. Like, it's just a thing that I love doing Uh once the episodes end. I log on Tumblr and I just see what people are saying. It's so fun. (laughs) I've been sending our Tumblr, like, posts that I want to reference. And there is one in particular, user postmodern multicolored cloak, who I've never (laughs) heard of before this. So thank you for sharing your thoughts because I loved them. They said that they were obsessed with the parallels between Vietnam and purgatory. And what especially drives me insane, they said, is that John leaves Vietnam with the spiritual memento of his deceased comrade inside his arm. I'm sorry. Shut up. (laughs) Here's the thing. Shut up. They go on to mention about Dean hallucinating Cass post-purgatory and John hallucinating Murph and like let me fucking just remind you for a second that the thing that John came back with in his arm was a silver cross like they have taken the Dean Benny Cass dynamic and made it into two people do you see why I said I feel like I'm oh connecting yours and I need you guys to tell me I'm not connecting shit because I can't un- no, you're no, 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 you're, you no you're connecting, connecting I can't <laughs> unfortunately you are connecting things yeah. There, I saw their post and I was like, oh, that's like interesting about like Benny. And then I was thinking, I was like, no, it's a fucking silver cross. That's Cass. That's Cass. Like Tombstone. That's Tombstone right there. The whole fucking Vietnam flashback is about John being like, I'm, it's okay. I'm going to get you out of here. And then 
he does and does the thing that John tells him not to do and then he fucking dies and then John is hallucinating him like it's his fucking fault that he did get up. It literally is exactly Jimmy This is just season eight. It's in the mirror. It's in the mirror too. It's like it's a shot for shot. It's a shot for shot compared like parallel. Yeah. Right. And I this is why I couldn't tell you guys in a message. I had to look at your faces while I said this. I have I I mean how would you ever type that out? In all caps on my mobile. <laughs> I need a full 30 minutes to process that information. Is like, <laughs> I know. Oh no. I was I oh yeah, I was gonna say, like the like the, the cross like being synonymous with cast is like so much of a thing. When I first got on TikTok and I first did my like first like full watch through of the entire completed series, I I had a thing that I did where I noted every Destiel moment that I like noticed in an episode and I did that by making a cross symbol because of the whole fact that there's a cross behind him in Tombstone yeah and so like I was not expecting that theory I don't know what I thought you were gonna say but I wasn't that okay I'm gonna like say a thing that again is not this is not this is a half-baked thought based on something that someone said to me so I was talking to a, a friend of mine and and we were just talking about the episode and they were like, my current thought is that this is an alternate universe. Mm. I think that's a really solid I theory, kind of honestly. said that in our predictions episode, I think it was. Because, like, theoretically, this could be, like, Apocalypse World, where, like, that, we, we got to, like, 1973 and John dies and Mary just leaves him dead. Like, that could definitely be it. Like, And they specifically said, you know, speculating that maybe this is canon Dean, but an alternate universe. So he's altering things in a different timeline. Oh, and that's interesting. Not, and so there's, you know, there's potential for setting up for some kind of different fixes you know like if he you know maybe he thinks he's going to be affecting actual i saw a post and i cannot remember where for the life of me so i'm sorry for whoever this was but there was a post about how like dean is so anti-altering the timeline in the show but like if there's an alternate universe to go and like alter that timeline and just see how it goes like (laughs) oh yeah fuck around and find (laughs) out yeah yeah (laughs) i mean also it would explain if he's on a hiatus from heaven he can't go back to like his earth because uh sam is there there are a lot of reasons why that's not we also have to remember like jack is god like we have everything open to our disposal because like before to do anything like this like chuck would be in the way but like a lot of the worlds are gone unless jack undestroyed them like it's very unclear how far jack destroying work i think jack undestroyed them it's not explicitly stated in canon but my theory regarding that, like it's, and we, I think this is in the notes somewhere. Somebody else pointed this out. My theory is that it is canon, like Dean, which is like our Dean and it's alternate universe, like Mary and John, but that the reason that it's like, he's interacting with that is because of something to do with these Akrita. Because he Which literally says they're from yeah. outside the universe. Like they're like, yeah. they're this larger force. And so my thing is, I feel like there's probably, they came into the world however they did and messed something up. And so now it's like, Dean, I feel like this show might be Dean trying to like get back to his original timeline or something. I saw a take, because we don't know what the Akrita are, right? No, I, no and I, I do wish that I remember if I saw this on Twitter or TikTok or Tumblr or where, because it's not a post that I had saved, but someone had a take where they were hypothesizing that the Akrita could be the species that Chuck and Amara are. Interesting. 
But yeah, and I think that's really interesting because they are talking about them as if they are not only bigger than this particular world, like being Earth, but kind of outside of the universe, so to speak. And the only beings at all that we could maybe put into that from the OG show would be Chuck and Amara. And we never really got a species for them. So if they're just making up a new species. And, you know, not of this world and then... They're not just a threat to Earth, but to all of existence. All of existence. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a pretty, there's not many things that are a threat to all of existence beyond like this u- like world or this universe. Exactly. Like- and the whole thing with season 15 and Chuck destroying all the alternate universes. Like if we're talking about this is maybe Dean in an alternate universe, maybe this is one of the only ones that survived. Well, Ooh. and maybe there is something, yeah, again, like you said, maybe this is something where he's trying to solve the mystery of maybe something has gone wrong in canon, in the canon universe, something has started to unravel. Like if we're talking about timelines as well, if the timeline has started to unravel mm-hmm. and he's actually got to set it right, like we've, we have precedent for that in the OG show. I wonder if like something that the Akrita did ejected him from heaven. Ooh. Interesting. Well, if the Akrita, again, and if they're connected to Chuck and Amara and yeah, they're they pissed. Yeah, they easily do that. And the only place they can get access to is heaven if they can't access anything else. So we think that Dean's released from heaven back to Earth as like a secret agent. Like we're thinking that Dean is like 007. Like, <laughs> is that our take? <laughs> he, he has the range. <laughs> I'm imagining, an, like, you know, the episode where the empty, like, comes mm-hmm. through heaven. I'm kind mm-hmm. of imagining something like that. The other thing is, we don't really know how heaven is running because, like, at the end of <laughs> Natural, it's a good, in really like good season point. 13, they brought up, like, oh, there's like not enough angels. Yeah, heaven is like fucking crumbling. Yeah, it's like crumbling. It's on the verge. And then, like, that plot's just like abandoned and never brought up again, really. Like, <laughs> it's brought up periodically. In but it's true never supernatural form. Yeah, heaven is not the like functional Jack place that Cass, it needs to be rebuilt heaven kind of but i'm kind of wondering if like something like that did happen again like maybe like they were just like oh fuck like we need to get some people out of here and dean was like okay i'm gonna go like solve this shit one other take that i did save from tumblr was a post by dean was always by and they were talking about the box that's in this episode like the men of letters box i think that's still charlie that's still yeah dean was having, same person I follow them now because I realized that I didn't and I was like, why don't I do that? So now I follow them on Tumblr too so we can get all their hot takes straight to my yes. mobile. But they were talking about the riddle that they have and like about the, the box. And they made a really interesting point that we don't actually know what that box is doing. And they have like hypothesized that it could be either a, like either it's a trap, the demon is trapped inside or is killed inside or it's a door. I like the idea of it being a door more. I prefer that that theory too. And like it does sort of, I think think in this post, I'm not going to read the whole thing now because it's relatively long. I think they go on to say that there's a potential that if it's a door, obviously these things are being sent somewhere. But I mean, the men of letters, like this is an amazing like piece of, not weaponry, I guess, but like if they can just suck any fucking monster into this, why the hell is it buried in like, the sewer under a graveyard like why the hell is that thing hidden and guarded unless it's sending them somewhere else unless it's dangerous mm-hmm. why is that unless, thing hidden well, and, guarded? and if it's a door if it's a door can these come back i mm. absolutely believe that cuthbert sinclair built that box like i oh like, totally. yeah that's a good take actually <laughs> also like supports the fact that it's probably dangerous in some way because all of the shit he built was either like 
the bunker or like some dangerous magical shit that went wrong. <laughs> like yeah. had a huge catch. Like he built that thing where like you basically have to like unalive yourself in order to open it. Like mm-hmm. and it makes you want to like crazy shit. <laughs> what if it's a door to purgatory? That was actually a thought that I had uh, like two seconds ago as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because that would be a really, like, it would seem to be a really strategic thing if you're the men of letters mm-hmm. to go, we just send, we just send all the monsters to purgatory, which is equivalent. Which it doesn't is equivalent make to sense for yeah. like a something to suck something in and then kill it. Like it makes more sense for it to be like a portal divorce a situation. Like the, some, yeah. The, I mean, the other option is it's like Pandora's box. Like a TARDIS, like a bigger on the inside kind of deal, you know? And then, like, and they're the just box... all in there. Oh, that's bad. Oh. If who knows what other shit's in there? Like Cass eating the Leviathans, like, eventually it's got to pop. Oh. If someone drops that thing, like, what do you think happens? Like, uh, that's what I'm now concerned about. Well, first, they'll have to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would think that it had, has to be more resilient than, like, dropping it i do believe if it's like a bot if it's containing them there's got to be a way to break it like it's got to be able to bust open somehow i think it would have to be something more complicated than just dropping it blood sacrifice or some shit are we okay if i pivot us like way out into like a totally different direction yeah just meet us to the other side of the episode yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go i want to go like way to the beginning so <laughs> actually same so please yes uh, yes okay so with like the John and Mary meeting scene, um, I thought it was lovely and fine. But I want to talk about the like licorice drops in particular because I immediately was like, didn't the boys have an argument about licorice? It's in Seven Ten yeah. Death Store. Bobby's oh. very last, very best memory is Sam and Dean having an argument, and Dean's asking if they have licorice, and Sam saying like licorice is a garbage snack, and like they're arguing about it, and like that's Bobby's very best memory of all time. I forgot about that. I need this show to calm the fuck down. But then also, like, they both, like, John and Mary, like, both like licorice, which is a very much, I don't like licorice. Like, licorice is either a thing that you like or a thing that you don't. Mm -hmm. It's polarizing. And, like, I don't. It's really, I just, like, A, like, that whole, like, Bobby connection, but then, like, I was also, like, oh, like, John's been deployed for three years, so Mary just, like, gives it to him. Like, they were both very nice people like they were very clearly like having a like a one-time interaction where like it did they didn't expect to like but it was a total meet cute you know yeah yeah it's framed really well and it is the scene that we expected it to be but it it's still slightly different yeah and like the slaughterhouse five the trailer made me think that they were going to change that story that Dean told us in supernatural and like this didn't change it as much like it, it was really good it fit really well we have so much still up in the air with in terms of john not remembering hunting yeah because there is a there is a possibility that this story gets rewritten this this story gets rewritten and that this is not the because the thing is it doesn't matter if mary remembers it john doesn't remember this meeting like mary can tell him whatever she wants yeah mary can tell him this meeting and nothing else after that or like this if is a safe the meeting wipe to tell him. starts at the second meeting, like when they meet the second time, if the wipe starts there and they still have this meeting, like that's that fits the story. That, like, and that's what John's going to have. That's so perfect. Just before we started recording, we were talking about how the quotes that we get in the episode that we all had on like bingo cards and things like driver picks the music, shotgun shuts his cake hole, saving people hunting things, the family business. Like we had those quotes there because we thought they dropped them. And they kind of half sort of did. In both of those instances, we got those quotes, but either slightly altered or unfinished, like 
in some way. Like, for example, Dean says at the end of the episode, until then, I'll keep picking the music. And so, like, the inference of the reference is there. Exactly. But yeah, he's alone. There's no one to shut the cake hole. Exactly. And the other one is obviously, like, saving people hunting things, and then it leaves out, like, the family business. Instead... It says, this is what I was born to do. Like, exactly. I think I was and made then to do Millie this. brings up Henry. Like, it's a separate thing. That was fascinating to me from a John personification. Yes. Yeah. And I do want to touch on that. But, like, very quickly, just in relation to, like, their meeting, I do think that those quotes are a good metaphor for the way that this show is running. And I think it's exemplified in their first meeting because it starts how we expect it. It starts with them running into each other literally at the movie theater mm-hmm. and they're chatting, but it does not end with Mary offering to buy him a copy to make up for it. It does not end with them going to the diner. And it, like, I mean, she could have been being sarcastic, but also Mary says she didn't even see the movie. When yeah. Dean tells us mm-hmm. the story, Mary had seen the movie. She loved the movie. In this one, she says the book is better. The book is better. When she says the book is better, she says the other version is superior. Yeah. The version you, again, going on with this, mm-hmm. this story might sound, you know, Dean, in the beginning, right before that, this story might sound familiar. I'm going to put the pieces together in a way that might surprise you. Exactly. And so I think that that scene in itself, along with like the way that those quotes were structured, is actually a beautiful example of the way that this show I think he's going to be structured. Like it's going to start in the way that we're going to expect, but they are going to flip it on its head. We're still going to recognize it. We're still going to recognize it, but it will be inherently different. I thought of another example of this. So Mary saying over and over again in this episode, like I want out. Mm -hmm. And we have from 403, you know, the whole Mary saying to John, you know, like you promised to take me away. I think it's fascinating that in this episode, Mary says, I want out. John never wants... Like John does not want in and it's, he wants in and it's very contrasted. And I think that's another way where we like, we're expected to see Mary going, I want out and John being like, yeah, okay, let's get out. But we're seeing the opposite of that. Yeah. And even like when they're in the graveyard, he asks her about like, so when we find your dad and she's like, I'm walking away. And like, that sucks for him because he's like just getting into it. And that's like what I was saying right at the beginning with like the song, it's like, they're talking at each other. And they're both wanting different things, but like, they're just not quite, like she's saying, I want to walk away. And he's saying, I don't want to lose you. It's like they want each other, but they don't want the lives that each other wants. Yeah. And that's like really, that makes it a tragedy. They're both very compatible and very incompatible. If Cupid's getting involved, if that piece is going to still, if that piece from the original show is going to still hold true of like heaven had to kind of manipulate to get them to actually stay together that would track makes sense i have a big heaven theory i wasn't going to talk about it for a little bit but i will do it do it do it okay so in the scene where john and millie are like having like their heart to heart and like john shows her the letter from henry and stuff like that millie says okay you want to know about your dad i'll tell you everything about him and then tells him nothing no information on henry winchester is given in that scene and i still cannot figure out what Millie and Henry Winchester ever had in common (laughs) to Mm -hmm. make them fall in love and have a child. So I think that they, I think the angels set them up. And I think that like, they also are not in love because 
that would explain why Henry Winchester has like middling levels of affection for his wife. Yeah. And also John got a letter, but Millie didn't get a fucking letter. This is yeah. the first she's heard of it. But also, it, yeah, she's like, oh, you know, I'll tell you about your dad or whatever. And then she literally was like, no we met, about it was it. us too. And then you were born. And that's it. When she says, you know, having this garage, she's like, this is all I wanted. She didn't say meeting your dad, having you was all I wanted. She said, having this garage, having this life, that's what I wanted. Yep. When John first like gets off the bus and he's still in his uniform and he shows up at the garage, I was so excited to, because I haven't seen anybody point this out. The signage around the garage is Aquarian stars. Like there are Aquarian stars behind him everywhere. I need you to know that I, at earlier, as right before we started recording, I pulled that, I have that scene pulled up because I wanted to show it to y'all because I was like am I insane okay look like behind John like at that other building like where that shadow is it's right in the top corner there yeah it's there and then the shadow behind it like that's an Aquarian star and then it also makes an Aquarian star I noticed that on the first watch through I was like why the fuck is there a men of letters symbol on her garage I noticed it on the second what does Millie know slash not know It's so unclear. I don't think she actually knows as much as she thinks. But I also have some questions because Henry has the locker in this, like, Lawrence, Kansas, like, men of... I've been calling... I call them chapter houses in my notes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what they... I think they call it that within the show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember at what point they did, but they definitely did. But Henry was... They were living in normal Illinois when Henry went missing. Oh, yeah. I thought that was weird, too. Um, so I was like, did they already have this property here? Mary- or like, was this some place that they visited? On that note, Mary also said something about not having lived in Lawrence. Like, oh, she said, I've lived here for ages, but I never knew this existed, I think is what she said. Yeah, but she, yeah, it's very interesting because it, it appears that neither of them were actually from here. Oh, what if it's like the beautiful room in the season four finale? it just exists every time um, there's a new theory i'm like, like that what makes if, sense what if it's just like a fucking garden shed but it, it looks like it's angels i mean it's possible yeah <laughs> if that happens i'm gonna say that jamie's psychicness is rubbing off on me because it's the most unlikely scenario but i do think it's like a bed of letter chapter house um but i just think it's interesting that like is it a coincidence that Millie moved there with John after, or was like this like a plan? Like, oh, just in case something happens, like Lawrence is like a backup city we could live in. Like, I or did they already have property there? Like, or was Mar- like Millie's family from here? I'm just like, why? Why are they the whole well, Millie's like, she, like, Millie's family. If Millie's family's from there, they're not. I, they're not there anymore because she says you left me alone. Like, she does not seem yeah. to have other family there. But, like, she talks about her father owning a garage, and, like, it is, like... But not a that garage. garage. Their... She doesn't say it owns... Yeah. She doesn't say her father owned this garage. She just says her father owned a garage, like... Yeah. Are you implying that literally the whole town of Lawrence is the beautiful room? Is that... No. I just need to understand. No, my... I was I was suggesting that it the whole town, the whole city of Lawrence, Kansas, it's actually just made up for Supernatural. Didn't you know? <laughs> well, that's... I'm, like, not to... Like, is this... Is this Supernatural Wanda vision? Like, is that... The, yeah. Uh, I was saying just, like, the actual chapter house. Like, I've been calling it Bunker 2.0, but, like, I was saying that that, particularly, because Mary says, like, I didn't even know this was here. And we don't know who gave John the letter, so in theory, 
Can we talk about that next? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yes, I do want there's to talk only about two that. options. <laughs> well, you know, so potentially it is like they've just picked this location. The angels have picked this location and it's like a setup scenario for John and Mary that they can control everything that happens in that room. Well, there's a lot of Lawrence Kansas shit with the demons too. Like, mm-hmm. but like, I guess a lot of that stuff is Sam and Team related. But a lot of it's not too. Like a lot of it is just like random where the fuck is Deanna in this episode? Like, what is Deanna Campbell doing right now? I, Where is mm-hmm. we, do we have casting for Deanna? I don't, I don't think so. so. But that on my bingo card, I added Deanna in because I realized we hadn't like really gotten anything. And I was like, I want to have her on my bingo somehow because I loved her in the flashback episode. Her husband is missing and her daughter is just running around. There from needs state to be to an state. explanation if she's not there. Mm. I would like to see an explanation because we know a year later she is. We know yeah. a year later, Samuel and her are back living in their house in Lawrence. Yeah, they are married. They seem in love. They... Well, they don't seem in love. Well, they... <laughs> Personally. They seem like they tolerate each other. <laughs> she seems like she tolerates him. And they are hunting together. They are living shared lives. Unlike okay. Henry yeah. and Billy. <laughs> they have not announced it, but this is this is an article from uh, comic book something. Uh, what is I forget. CBR.com from March of this year, there were new details surfaced about the cast of the upcoming Supernatural prequel series. And it says that they were looking to cast four new characters, including Ada, John's mother, Millie, and Mary's parents, Deanna and Samuel. Oh, okay. Oh, so maybe they look, they're just keeping that under wraps. Look, yeah, I think they're probably keeping that close to the chest because they only just announced that, which quick, tiny aside, fucking tom welling is gonna be samuel campbell i'm i'm not well i'm not well yeah. i'm not well at all i think i okay i stopped mid pilot to make a pod like a uh, tiktok about this because <laughs> uh in the scene where john and mary are talking and mary's like i just want to live long enough to figure out what i want to do what like oh my god I, was, like, I literally stopped to make a tiktok to be like mary doesn't actually like, i think people forget because sam smith like looks older mm-hmm. that it's like, not mary winchester is like the ages don't match up but like mary dies at 29 she's 17 in this episode like she's 27 when she dies i thought they said she was 19 i did the math though based on like what we previously knew her date of birth to be and she's 17 actually i want to talk about on this note when carlos and john are in the back of the van and he's asking john's asking carlos how he got into hunting and he ends up saying and we knew this from the promo but he ends up saying the only thing worse than how it starts for a hunter is how it ends what we didn't get in the promo is the lingering shot that goes first to Latha and then to Mary and then to John. So I think that might be order of death. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, I hate oh it. fascinating. Reject um, this theory. That sounds, that sounds like a very plausible theory and, and like a also very in, like Robbie Thompson, like long, long game. In order thing. of resonance too, like in order yeah. of like story beats, like those are, that's that the sense. order that would give you the maximum like especially if this story is doing a lot of what they've both both drake and robbie have said about like exploring some of the complexities of john um the the degradation of john winchester as you will um the villainization of john winchester if that's the order if it's an order of like losing lata and then losing mary and they've done quite a bit they've done quite a bit in this episode to establish John and Latha has having a really good relationship as well. Like there are a few moments. They're the newbies. When when he first gets introduced to her, she makes the point of like, 
my friends call me Latha, and then he immediately calls her that. Like he doesn't call uh, her by her full name. It was really sweet, and, and it's I, really sweet. It was jar- it was jarring to watch from John. Watching, yeah, like, at a and level like, of like intentional care. It was jarring to watch. Exactly. And the then when they're getting like, out of the van. He's so nice. Yeah, that's such a sweet scene. He's so nice to her. He was like, maybe we can be like nervous together. I was like, oh my God, why is he so endearing? <laughs> no, but I, th- I think it's so good. If this is actually yeah, like, the perfect. degradation of his character, like this it, like this is such a good starting point. This is and actually like, what some I wanted. People were po- and as some people were pointing out, like I noticed a lumber of people pointing this out on Twitter and I think it was really, really true, is that yes, there is a lot to love about John in this episode, but there are also all of these hints mm-hmm. towards where yeah. he become. The obsession, the I'm not going to listen to anyone else's like opinions, even if it impacts them, a la Millie. Yeah. He like leaves her to go to Vietnam and then he comes back and then he immediately leaves again. Yeah. Um, with no regard for her, like zero sense of remorse, zero sense of regard for her, her as a person and the impact on her. And like, yes, he's young, but it's very telling that he is this obsessive this quickly. And one of the articles that we've talked about in our last episode before we got the pilot, we were talking about uh, how Drake was saying that like John is essentially like going to be drink himself to the bottom of the barrel was like the analogy that he used. And I did want to like quickly touch back on like the whole like purgatory like equivalent because it reminded me of when Dean was talking about kind of missing purgatory, missing the simplicity. And like, you were just constantly fighting and like, you just, you just did what you had to do. And I do wonder if that's kind of the same approach they're going to take with John and hunting. Like he talks about like, it's good versus evil. Like it's a very black and white view to take. And I do wonder if that's going to be sort of like a tie in there or like a parallel there. Beth, is that the same article where uh, Drake is talking about how like, hunting is like part of like the like ptsd like there's yes yes yeah such a that was such a well-spoken interview (laughs) Mm -hmm. all of his stuff and actually i will say drake's performance i think is phenomenal i like all the cast is really really strong but i do think that his performance in particular is fantastic i could see jeffrey dean morgan in him and i could see matt cohen in him and I, I could was also surprised. see Jared in him, which I was yeah. Yes. Yes. Actually, actually, yes. And especially his costuming. Yes. Can mm-hmm. I? Yeah, that's a point I wanted to make is uh, like, it's so interesting how like throughout this episode, you very much have that dynamic of like, he is very reminiscent of Sam and Mary is very reminiscent of Dean. Yeah. Like that was just very. a really, really nice dynamic that played they out. They both have said, I mean, specifically Drake has said that he studied both Sam and Dean so he could kind mm-hmm. of bring both of them into John. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. there was a, there was a one moment particularly right after he killed the, the, whatever the, the new monster thing, the yeah. new monster thing um, where he had a specific movement that, that I was like thrown way back and I was like am I watching season one Sam it's kind of like move like his way of like attack and like killing out I was it it was like I was very impressed by Drake in this but in that same vein I was actually reminded of Dean in that moment when he like comes up and is like oh like you know what did I miss like he was all excited yeah yeah, that exactly it was like both it was like both that bit actually really reminded me of Xander in Buffy like when he pulled himself out of the thing and they're all just like he's like you guys will never believe what happened but then he's like what did I miss I was like oh my god that's Xander like 
There was a yeah. couple of times where I was like, when they were like first going into the first like metal or shop house, the one in Lawrence, and they were like kind of like bickering. I was like, this is big Buffy and Xander vibes. Like, yeah. this is Buffy oh, and Xander. There like, is big, big Scooby gang sort of like energy yeah. from this mm-hmm. cast as a whole. Like, that's what I'd compare them to. And I like, while really we're still, while we still have season one of Supernatural on, on the brain, <laughs> uh, Mary kind of like is teasing Lotha about how she like almost faded when she saw Willard. Willard was referenced in the episode Bugs in season one. Dean referenced it. And like that that movie came out in 1971 and it was remade in 2003. Um, oh, but that's a, a cool Easter egg. It's that's a movie crazy. about a guy who like uses his like pet rat colony to terrorize and kill people. And like, but like I remembered that because I remember looking up the movie, doing my notes. I literally like control like H <laughs> searched my notes for Willard. Like remember that reference. <laughs> it's very uh, supernatural of them to reference something from like the worst supernatural episode ever. <laughs> like to have an Easter egg that's that. Well, that's very Robbie. <laughs> what is so funny is I didn't know that that was a movie reference, and I was like, "Does Mary have a pet rat named Willard?" I also, that's what, that was the reaction <laughs> I had too, Beth. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "Did I, I need to see rat? Willard immediately?" Like you know when Cass when um, Sam says like, "Oh, lucky we've got a guinea pig," and Cass is like where that's how I felt about Willard I was like I need to see this rat right now <laughs> that's the one thing this, this Scooby gang is missing is is an animal of some kind Millie if Millie gets her dog <laughs> oh well this I'll actually this could I could I take us on a segue please do yeah okay so to our bingo cards oh okay I'm curious if y'all think I can check off this one thing on my bingo card because it's it's a little yeah, so one of the items that I had on my bingo card um, was the van has an affectionate nickname, and he, he calls it Beloved. Can, I think you can I think check you get that, that one. I think you get it, yeah. I did take note of that. Okay, I want to talk about the, the driving thing, because, um, you know, I have a whole thing on about Supernatural, about how, like, anytime Sam's driving, it is, like, plot relevant. Like, Sam only drives when he is actually taking control of his own life. Yeah. And otherwise Dean's driving. Uh, Mary is a driver because she takes her car. She has her car. And then they meet up with Carlos. She leaves her car, but she drives Carlos's van. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is in charge. It's not even her van. And also in the promo for next week, she's also driving in the promo. She's driving the van. Like Mary is a driver. <laughs> yeah. And John is letting her. Yeah, Damn, John well, is not putting up a fight about this. John's not even in the front seat giving directions. John's in no. the back of the van. John is, <laughs> this is not John's story. Yeah. I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast, but like I think it was in, it was at some point we had a conversation after one of the promos be, where we had this like some shots of them in the van because like I did notice it was the two girls in the front seat and the two boys in the back. Like, Oh yeah, like that's an about interesting supernatural. About fucking time. It is Sam and Dean in the front seat. Um, except all like with the one exception I think might be Ellen. Like they let Ellen sit in the front <laughs> seat. I think Ellen <laughs> says I'm sitting in the front seat, and yeah, <laughs> to say no. Very quickly on that point of having the two girls in the front, the two boys in the back, one boy in the back, and one non-binary character yes. we just had confirmed, yes. which is so exciting. We were going to talk about this later, but it just seems relevant to, to point it out now. Yeah. It's, Who else yeah. cried? Anybody? Anybody? I, I cried. There is just, okay, Carlos, like, I am really, really glad. I'm really, really glad. And, like, there I has been a bunch of- I everything about Carlos. Yeah. yeah. 
And there have been some, there's some mixed feelings about the way that they confirmed yes, that he's I canonically didn't bisexual. I don't, if you feel like the representation was unfortunate, like in the way it was confirmed, like that is totally valid. If you are my have a representation favorite around, thing. I think I made a note that like it's not like the it's not it, like it is a somewhat problematic like stereotype thing, but like mm-hmm. I think compared to anything else in the supernatural universe, this was fine. And also like it seems fine. Also like let bi people be slutty without letting it be yeah. like a a thing. I think that the the idea was that the the con- the people were having issue with the like that is a stereotype cheating narrative with people. the che- well with the cheating narrative yeah. specifically. Yeah, and that I think and is, that is a is, that is a bi like, stereotype unnecessary. Like, and, it wasn't they could have like they could have implied slutty without implied cheating. I was loving everything except for that one thing. I yeah. will say yeah. that like as as a person who identifies as bi and as a person who has had that stereotype used against them unjustly, I will very quickly like put out the blanket <laughs> statement unjustly. Yeah. I didn't even register it because I was so excited that they used the name Beth. I just flipped out. I didn't even <laughs> realize the context of it. Yeah, Beth, Beth is just blue screening about that. <laughs> watching your face was quite something when I when I came back to it I was like oh I didn't even register that and like I do think that it's unfortunate that that is what they used I it's it didn't it hasn't made me angry like I'm just like oh I wish I wish you hadn't done that like like there were better ways they could have done it but I I think that if he was aware of that stereotype he wouldn't have used it I don't think it would have been done with any sort of intent yeah. No, I think it was supposed to be funny and it was yeah. supposed to be... Yeah, I think it was supposed to be played as a, yeah, as a comedic line. And mm-hmm. explicit, and it was supposed to be the, like, explicit confirmation right out the gate about this character. And what I do appreciate is that they did it in a way that wasn't like, oh, yes, I am bisexual and that means, and here's the dictionary definition. Like, I appreciated that they they didn't have, like, a coming out. I just don't think that they thought about any of the stereotypes associated with particularly that sexuality like yeah yeah I thought they were gonna drag this like Tupelo thing like out like I thought it was gonna be like the, I don't know if if there are Marvel fans here in in the, the uh, Budapest <laughs> I thought that was gonna be a Budapest <laughs> thing Budapest just, like vaguely referenced <laughs> for a while and then it was immediately explained um, I have two main concerns I guess now coming out of out of that particular conversation between Carlos and Lata my like First one is, are we going to meet Mary's ex-boyfriend? Because I would like to. Me too. <laughs> Especially Mary and Mary and Carlos. Yeah. Is, yeah. Yes, yeah. I would like to see the the guy who pulled both Mary Campbell and Carlos. Yeah. I'd like to meet that man as well. He must be banging. <laughs> I, yeah, I just like to, I just like to meet the guy who who like crossed the, like his two areas of attraction like crossed over like that that was the, the Venn diagram where Mary where Mary where Mary and Carlos <laughs> are the Venn diagram they're both phenomenal but they are very different. Um, and then I also I have a genuine concern that they're going to like you know look at these cast of four people and be like well obviously John and Mary are endgame because they end up married with two kids and mm-hmm. like just be like okay well two two and two is four so like I'm yeah. worried that, like Carlos and Lata are gonna end up being no. like romantically involved I don't think so. and I don't want it I don't get that energy from this at all from their interactions I don't get I don't get that at all so I'm hoping it's that's true yeah I'm hoping that they don't I just like I was just like okay like they clearly have an okay relationship and I I just I'm worried that they're just gonna like do some like easy math and I'm worried that that would come from the network more than like Robbie Thompson or like Jensen or anything like that I'm just worried like that the CW is gonna want them to like 
But I think they've got romance and hopefully enough romance in the show otherwise that they won't get pushed to that is my hope. Can I float the idea of asexual Latha? Oh, yes. yeah, absolutely. I'd oh, yeah. be so in for that. Yeah. I mean, I'm being for for any any representation representation they choose to give us with with these characters like make them all queer well actually john and mary don't make john queer make everyone else queer. yeah john's not john is like not like legally not allowed to be queer that's my only literally me looking at that fucking promo photo where he's got cuffed jeans and being like don't you fucking dare don't Don't you you dare queer code and queer bait john i don't think cuffed jeans I, I think like that's just like a seventies thing though. I don't think that was a thing in the seventies. Yeah, look, I hope like, that's true. But I well, saw oh. it and I was like, "Don't you fucking!" <laughs> but that's another thing that, speaking of the seventies, um, that somebody else was also pointing out. Like again, it doesn't excuse it, but it does possibly explain where they were coming from with it. The whole um, like you know, Carlos being you know hooking up with multiple people. It was very summer of love still going on at that time and there was yeah. like a, the free love movement was kind of a huge deal at the time. So like eh, and it's it's loose, yeah, sure, but it's it could explain where I think at least the writers were coming from when writing that line. Like they mm-hmm. weren't thinking about the stereotype involved with it because they were thinking about the historical context of it. Yeah, so I just want to think about a different stereotype. Long hair and yeah. his hippie van and yeah. yeah. I before we like move too far away from I also like Carlos like canonically now like has had slash has a crush on Mary and I wouldn't mind seeing some of that play out a little bit that would be nice Mm -hmm. not that I necessarily want them to get together but I would like to see that acknowledged again at some point like I would like to either see like them both grow to have like platonic feelings or I'd like them to have a conversation about it or something I just want something to happen with that where it's not just like wrote in here in the pilot and then never talked about it and like like make these relationships as realistic and sort of messy as possible because yeah. we have like a lot of we have a bit of a already in this first episode we have a bit of a web of relationships because like carlos and john had just like became buds like in three seconds yeah and like lata and john we know lata and mary have history like everyone's got multiple connections already i just explore those want to do a quick shout out to the fact that carlos calls mary mayor and calls john jonathan and i don't know why but i love that like that that was just i don't know why but it really did something for me i was like oh that i enjoy that when we called him (laughs) jonathan i was like oh my god wait is that Jo- oh my god john like that's his name, his name. <laughs> like i know like, i, I, I don't know about, about that too but i was like t- i was that moment years old when i could when the implication of jonathan winchester hit me i do just want to say uh confirmed in this episode that henry and john have the same middle name oh yeah i did love i don't that. think, we, I don't was think it? that was it's eric it's oh. a creepy it's a creepy freaking creepy <laughs> yeah <sighs> Kripke's self-insert. <laughs> Which I think we knew that that was John's middle name. Yeah. I don't think we knew that was Henry's middle name. That no. felt like new information to me. And I was like, oh, they have the same middle name. Which is nice. Um, I have the same middle name as my grandma. And my brother has the same middle name as my grandpa. I think it's a nice like thing to like not like do like first names, but do like same middle names. I think it's just nice. So the fact that they didn't give Sam a middle name. <laughs> just more I'm of an insult now. Except, for, <laughs> except for on tony bevel's murder board because i've done a full investigation on everybody's middle names <laughs> i love that this has become your niche knowledge kj i love that this yes. is like what you've decided to dedicate oh, your energy I spent to like 36 <laughs> hours of my life on it like 36 straight hours of my life was about the winchesters and their male names and tony bevel's murder board in this season speaking of uh kripke and and self-inserts 
I need to know how y'all reacted to the Soldier Boy reference because I could not stop fucking laughing. I didn't even clock it, to be honest. I thought it was cute. I thought it was really funny. I was like, I was like, Robbie, you meta bastard. Like, because he, like, I don't know what it is about Robbie, but he has this, like, point of, like, referencing Kripke's other shit. Because, like, he (laughs) did it in, like, because what I did before watching this, uh, the pilot, I decided that I was like, let me watch Robbie's last episode from Supernatural and then watch this first episode of the new show. And in that, what? which episode is that? Uh, don't call me Shirley. Oh yeah. Right. And <laughs> in that episode, he's, yeah, a fantastic episode. Uh, one of my favorites, but he also, there's a moment where Chuck is like talking about what he's been up to. And he's like, yeah. And I, you know, I've been working on a new project revolution which is like the failed show that Kripke did like in between supernatural and timeless so like Robbie just has this thing where he's like let me throw as much shade as I can doesn't he also make a point of it being like a bad title as well like titles aren't the strong suit he says yeah he because he says he's like yeah revolution and he goes I don't think it's going anywhere and then Metatron's like yeah titles really aren't your thing (laughs) Which is very funny considering Supernatural ran for 15 years. Yeah, and that his shows after that were also Timeless, another one word, and then The Boys, the most Didn't nondescript show Didn't Robbie also name. write Metafiction, which is the episode where Metatron, like, trashes the Supernatural books and burns one of them, like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and oh, he's he's also got a line in that uh, the Don't Call Me Shirley episode where uh, he, like, shows Metatron some of his pages and he's like, yeah, it's good. And he goes, I haven't seen an editor give me a face like that since I turned in the script for Bugs. <laughs> so Robbie and referencing Bugs is also a trend, apparently. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, Robbie, we we see you. Robbie has referenced Bugs <laughs> twice. I want to talk about Latha. There's clearly some, like, sort of background with Latha and the Campbells. And I'm kind of maybe she's like a lot closer to Mary than it kind of seems like on the surface because when like they first go and meet Latha at the library Mary said like he went hunting without us which could mean like without her and her mom but also could mean like her and Latha though it's kind of implied that Latha doesn't like go hunting hunting and, and then like Latha's response is though Samuel Campbell doesn't go hunting with her family like she very clearly knows Samuel and like they, they do say like he saved her life and I'm kind of wondering if like maybe like that's how Mag- like Maggie died in that same, like, I same have thing. a theory about Maggie actually are you did you have anything else to say so the whole thing with Maggie like obviously she's the cousin she she died it's very sad and tragic they were obviously very close it really First of all, the demon says that Maggie's, like, burning down there, right? So, like, implying that Maggie's for some reason in hell. It doesn't make a lot of sense if Maggie just, like, died on a hunt and was, like, a perfectly normal human being, right? So it got me thinking about Gordon and how Gordon's Uh... sister wasn't killed by the vampire. Gordon's sister got turned into a vampire. And Mary has a line where she says, I couldn't, and then she doesn't finish the sentence. And I wonder if it's like Maggie is actually still out there. Like either Maggie is dead, she became a vampire and then got killed. And like even the demon saying she's burning down there right now doesn't really make a lot of sense because we know that vampires go to purgatory. But if they're going to play like these characters don't know what purgatory is, I guess that's a root. And demons lie, you know, that's And demons lie and these things. 
But I do wonder if maybe Maggie will come back. Like, I wonder if, I don't know where it was, but there was some interview somewhere that said that a lot of these characters have, like, secrets in their past that will come up. And I wonder if it's one of them. Mm -hmm. Like, she got turned and then she couldn't bring herself to kill her, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Or she did kill her, either way. Yeah, that'd be really interesting to see. Oh, um, we mentioned, or KJ, you just mentioned about the library very, very briefly. Mm-hmm. I have I have a fucking bone to pick about this. <laughs> they walk into a public library, notoriously a place where you're quiet, and, and, rel- and, and just start yelling about hunting and about I'm going to need this They ammo. are continuing and- the tried and true supernatural tradition about talking about your hunts in public places. Literally. And she's literally <laughs> pulling an axe. Out yes, of a they just have their ammo stored at the fucking public library. You know what this reminded me though of more than anything in the world? Um, this reminded me of like the first three seasons of Buffy, where no one goes to the library unless there's a monster. Like it's just like <laughs> monster true. hunters, and then no one else. Like if someone else comes into the library to actually like read something, it's like a weird day. Uh huh. And yeah. like I kind of wondered if like maybe like it seemed like Lotha maybe like works at the library. Oh yeah, yeah. because like, then she's immediately like, "Oh, I'll just come with you." Like, I'll just leave. And I was like, "If you leave, I'm who's running the like, library?" Good. <laughs> I mean, we have to. Okay, I think it's worth mentioning. Like, the town of Lawrence, Kansas, actually exists. It's actually a much bigger town than it's ever portrayed in Supernatural. Like, there, it's a university town, like the University of Kansas. I think it is. Yeah, one I've of been the there. major I've universities been to Lawrence, in and it's Kansas. Not small. Yeah has like their campus is in Lawrence and like it, it is not the small town it looks like but like for the sake of Supernatural and its extended universe it's a t- teeny tiny little town like maybe like Latha is just like, in charge of the library and she could just be like I'm gonna go away uh for a couple days so I guess the library's closed good luck for you to find any information because the internet didn't exist <laughs> one other thing for another new character that I did want to talk about is uh Ada when Ada is oh, even, talked about Ada at all. No, like barely at all. When she's first introduced, it's the scene where she's like reading a book and it's like dimly lit room, it's like nighttime. She has two lit lamps on either side of her, and above her, there is actually a third lamp that's not lit. But it did make me think that it's like vaguely angel imagery. And I was interested, like, to see A, if any of you guys like also thought that, or like I will be interested to see if they do anything with that or if I'm just like reading way too much into it. I thought you were going to complain about that scene being too dark and I was like wow that feels like supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> no I was just thinking about like the way that they typically like sh- like the ways that they go out of their way to show wings and like halos in unconventional ways. And My major yeah. complaint with that was like why is her anti-possession charm Same. not physically oh, attached? Oh yeah, not body? attached. I was like, yeah. why are you not wearing it? Seems like if you yeah. are living in this world and you know all this shit, like why is it not on a bracelet? I think we yeah, can file that onto plot, 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 convenience, convenience, convenience. You're Thank watching you. Supernatural. Thank you. <laughs> My only complaints about this episode were around some of the like plotting and in some of the dialogue at the beginning that was very very expository in the vein yeah. of demon hunting and anti-possession stuff in this episode mary does have the bracelet on we've talked about the bracelet a few times we it did, only yeah. has it only it only has that one charm like i think it's i think it's the same bracelet but it only has one charm mm-hmm. so well, that's i think what we more to with. come including the men of letters ones because we know yeah. she eventually has that yeah also, yeah. Mary went for the fancy devil strap, the Key of Solomon, which is the one that Bobby has on his ceiling in his yeah. house. That's not typically the one that you spray paint on somewhere because it takes so fucking long. It's yeah, so much more detailed. Yeah, it's very elaborate. Like, <laughs> I was like, way to be an artful bitch, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
as she said this episode girls gotta have our hobbies yeah yeah <laughs> I know we talked about it earlier and I, I just very quickly want to mention it because I just noticed it in my notes but in keeping with the John and Sam sort of paralleling of those characters mm-hmm. there's a quote where I think it's when John is trying to convince Mary to let him go with her to Texas and um mm-hmm. he says to her uh, or she says to him rather like your dad kept all of this from you for a reason mm-hmm. and he yep. says and I hate him for it but I love him you know and it really reminded me of oh. in season five when oh. Sam and John have that like little heart to heart where like John is saying like how could you like how could your dad do that blah 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 and John um sorry and Sam is like well you know he was trying his best and like you know and I love him and I it just really reminded me of that sort of same mentality oh yeah I was just gonna say that reminded me of the moment with him and Mary with Dean and Mary when he says that I I hate you and I love yeah. you. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that scene fucks me up every time. Yeah, every time because it feels it feels like an authentic representation of like how it feels to have been betrayed by a you know a parent. Yeah, and to still have those feelings about them that you because they are your parent to like still want. To believe the best in them even when their decisions screwed you over and like john you know lost his dad when he was four like and like Mer- millie said like he's been he spent his whole life trying to find that out that's what led him to joining the marines that's like all like he john is not a mentally stable character no. and none of the decisions he's made in his whole life have been out of a place of mental stability mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time people talk about how one of the core themes of Supernatural is family. And I do think that's true. But I think to a greater extent, it's about family trauma specifically. Like, I think it is about family, but I think there's an incredible subsection of that, which is just family trauma and generational trauma. It's about family, but not in any sort of a fluffy sort of like easy answer family way it's about like the reality of family which is that there is a lot of trauma in a lot of families Mm -hmm. with that conversation between john and mary about like henry keeping stuff from us like from 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 john Mm -hmm. one of my big complaints with supernatural has always been that like sam's nine years old when he finds it about the supernatural like (laughs) which makes no sense it makes no sense but then i'm like kind of okay this conversation in mind, plus the conversation that Sam and John have in season five, John basically just like splits hairs. He tells one kid about the supernatural and not the other. Like Dean knows about the supernatural from four years old, like as soon as Mary dies. Mm-hmm. And Sam, when he's 10, I'm like, John just, he split the difference. And he basically is like, let's see which kid comes out more screwed up. And <laughs> He's fucking and around I, and finding out. <laughs> I want to draw our attention to the, the, when Mary says, you know, like her and John are talking and she says, like, I don't know why my dad didn't tell me about this. Like, there's no secrets in our mm-hmm. family. Yeah. And John's response is maybe he was trying to protect you. And when I think about, like, the decisions that John makes about mm-hmm. his own children, like, the yeah. whole, like, he was trying to protect you. Like, the reason he tells Dean is because someone's got to protect Sam when John's not there. Mm-hmm. And the reason he doesn't tell Sam is because he doesn't want Sam to, like, know about the supernatural. So, like, he's still, like, that whole, like, secrets are okay if you're trying to protect someone is like that's already John's idea even though he's mad about the fact that his dad kept this all from him Mm -hmm. like even though he's experienced the like negatives of that he's still like well maybe that's the reason I actually want to do a quick shout out to Millie as well for saying that like I'm the one you're angry with like you're angry at me I didn't leave you. I stayed and I looked up like I really am glad that she said that because I was like, it's kind of unfair that you're like 
making it her fault mm-hmm. when like she didn't do anything and I suppose that you could put this under the same bracket because clearly she knew what was going on to an extent you could probably put it under the same bracket of like she was trying to protect him but in Henry's like like direction he's like oh he was trying to protect me but in Millie's direction he's pissed and so it's I, I do think that's kind of interesting there as well mm-hmm. it's like a difference between how he's reacting to his dad and his mom making the same fucking choice mm-hmm. well, also Millie really also like a Sam parallel because like I mean Millie and John don't know that like they thought that Henry walked out on them but like in, in reality Henry died yeah and it's so, like yeah if you think about like also like Mary died and like Sam is so mad at John and John's so mad at Millie but like they're the parents that just aren't dead and that's not their that's not anyone's fault no, yeah. really. that's not anyone's fault no and the, the tragic thing about Millie is that she had a son who also walked away too yeah I like really quickly like because there's not much to say but like there's a scene where Mary does the really cute thing with the EMF meter where John's like I think I'm being haunted oh, yeah that was so it was cute. so good that felt like she was kind of echoing the story that John had just told her about Henry like when he he's like I can like trap monsters like you don't have to worry about monsters like it felt like she yeah. really took that story to heart Aww. and was like this is cute and then like when that didn't work she then like was like okay well tell me like what's actually bothering you and she like listened also like that whole thing is so horrific like this whole thing like whole backstory with John and his friend is like actually horrific like we kind of yeah rushed over it but like the only thing but left of John's friend is the shrapnel of his necklace that's buried in John's arm. Like that's like awful. Like, like that's John's dark. trauma from and John was like a child. When yeah, he's he a died. baby. He lied. He mm-hmm. lied to get in because he was not old enough. Like that cannot it cannot be overstated how young that these two. And he was in a position of leadership, like from from what we know of his time. Like he yeah. was in yeah. a ranking position where he had responsibility for other people mm-hmm. and like the trauma he's carrying from those experiences immense. In that same scene, we get the quote from Mary where she says, I see the face of everyone I couldn't save. And I swear to God, we get that exact quote from Dean at some point. I yeah. too. Like you I was it. like, I swear that's a direct did. Dean quote. That whole exchange with like, how do you cope with it? I'll let you know when I find out. Yeah. I swear one of the boys have said that too. Right? Like, I, I was like, I'm sure that. that's Absolutely. been lifted from somewhere. They've like... had multiple conversations like that across Supernatural. Mm-hmm, like both yeah. Sam and Dean have had those conversations with each other and with victims. And again, this is the like whole thing of them. They're, even if it's not word for word, they're pulling those themes out. You know, the whole idea of like being haunted, but the haunting is actually your own trauma. It isn't actually a ghost at all. Like that's such a key supernatural theme the fact that they did that yes. in such an interesting way by using the emf meter and giving us this cute little scene with this like deep resonance of you can be haunted even if there's no ghost like that i think was just kind of masterful kind of reminds me of season six sam using the scar on his palm to like mm-hmm. figure out what is oh, using yeah, reality yeah. yeah oh that's a good <laughs> reference really to be a little bit meta for this this episode was filmed in New Orleans, but it also takes, like, they also go to New Orleans in the episode. And, like, mm-hmm. I, the only episode of Supernatural I could think of where they even come close to something that is French Mistake. Like, they just are never, they're never, yeah. like, they don't, that's not a thing in Supernatural where they, like, go where they film. Well, they could because <laughs> it was Canada. Yeah. <laughs> so the one time they do is the one time when they're actually doing that as a story beat but they're so. in about three different cities and like there was no reason it had to be new orleans that they went to no they go a lot they do a lot of traveling in is that like yeah 
Thorin, uh, Lawrence, and Lubbock, Texas, and New-, New Orleans all in this episode. It's like kind of an aside on that. I do want to like just very quickly shout out the fact that the sets and the costuming was so good i was really impressed. like, like no the winchester's notes. garage like <laughs> all of the scenes that we get where they're like out on the streets i was like this feels like dated like it, it i did good. laugh a little bit um about like the set in particular uh because like we looked at the trailer so many times and no one guessed they're in a they're in an underground thing underneath the mausoleum in a cemetery as to mm-hmm. where that mysterious underground location was that's just That's like something we should ask, clearly. That whole intro, the whole intro, by the way, it's like, it was really giving Indiana Jones. Like, yes, it was. So much. Because I was, like, not sure where this whole Hunter Winchester thing, because I was so, like, that's Cam, like, Samuel Campbell when we watched the trailer. And then mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe it's Henry. And I was like, no, never mind, it's Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My biggest theory for, like, a prediction, and we didn't really touch on this yet, so, like, that the person who gave me this letter that I, you know, I, I had never seen this person before and then they just completely disappeared. I I bet, like, my left kidney that that's Cass or Dean. I don't know which of them. I don't think it's, it's Dean because he doesn't recognize Dean when he meets Dean later. Unless we're in an alternate okay. universe and an alter- it's that's an alternate John. There's also if it's my the John, involved. I don't think it's Dean. I think it's, yeah, that's, I, I think it's an angel. Maybe. I'm undecided of whether or not it's Cass. I think it's an angel. I think it's Cass. yeah. So I have a couple of theories. I had Dean with a question mark, but it's kind of like, a, I don't really think it's Dean. An angel, maybe Cass. That was also my other thought. But I was then thinking about it and I was like, could be Cuthbert because it's from Henry. He could have entrusted okay. it to Cuthbert. I was like, it could also potentially be Samuel. Like, I don't know how it's like interlinked yet, but oh. it could be Samuel because he was looking into the meta letters. Like that whole, that's where the whole fucking plot But how does, he, how does he get the letter from... I don't know. I, like I said, I don't that's know. That's why I think Angel, because I think the timing. But also Azazel. That's my other thought. Oh. Oh, oh no. Yeah. I hadn't considered that. I said, like, pass slash another angel. I also said, like, noted, like, when Henry Winchester, like, goes forward in time and he dies, that is right before the fall. So, like, all the angels still have wings. All of them would be capable of time travel. Yeah, there's also a lot more angels alive. There are a lot of angels on the table. And then I also said demons because there's also a lot of demons that want shit to get done. Yeah. And I, I, I lean towards angels because of the time travel element. And also the way, the way that he frames it, he's like, and then they just disappeared. Like yes. they were just gone. That's like, what made me think angels specifically. Yeah. And that's what made me go probably cast because it just, it just. What other sense. angel cares about the Winchesters this much? Like, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's to traumatize them. Well, and I think, don't we all, we all have casts on our bingo cards. Still with the set, the water on the ground still reminded me of Faith. Like, I literally were all <laughs> cast on it. So like, but then underneath that, on my second watch, I was like, the fact that they're under a cemetery, the water now feels icky to me. That's Ooh. dead people water. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's. And I don't like it anymore. I was really confused with this monster that they fight. We haven't talked at all about the monster. That I hated it. <laughs> Straight up, I really hated it. Yeah. I saw on a website someone say Lugaru, like it rhymed with Rougarou, but I think it, it was Lugaru, like which is French for werewolf, which makes sense because they're in New Orleans where there's a French speaking population. And this was sort of werewolf like plus the silver. I was like, I think they meant Lugaru. Like, also, Carlos is the one who identified the monster and he speaks Spanish. I really didn't have any thoughts about the monster beyond just 
kind of disliking yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Just, I mean, it was. It was just there to have a monster be to have them have at least yeah. one monster, kill. which was fine. Like whatever. Who cares? I was more. I was more interested in the John and Mary interaction that was happening with that because, like, a yeah. John promises that they're going to find Samuel, which feels very. I don't know. Like overconfident. Honest. Um, and he doesn't know. know jack shit about hunting yet so john also like before they like went on the road trip when he was like convincing mary that he should go he like find, she's like how'd you find me he's like i was tracking like i did tracking in the military and i was like yeah because it's john's one skill in actual like supernatural like it's the only yeah. thing i also had a note about that i like that they highlighted that yeah it was a nice call forward to like what we're gonna see of john of like mm-hmm. there's a lot of things he's not great at when hunting but tracking he is really good at and that's something they talk about like even into like seasons 10 plus they still are making reference to like john's tracking ability oh and they did fix up the timeline issue with the whole marines thing i don't remember if we mentioned this before when oh we yeah we touched on it, yeah but i am just glad that they fixed that immediately because that it was made sense. yeah yeah I, I just kind of like figured that that's it would be something like that um i i like that he like forged henry's signature and henry's been missing for 15 years yeah. I, feel like I feel like we should have checked that a little bit more closely but, but they okay. don't but no but the thing is the military they don't want to. in the states they don't want to check that they want to take any recruits that will go yeah like vietnam like the draft was active so like they wanted everyone who would have willingly signed up because they were drafting people who did not want to go yeah. yeah so yeah it makes sense i also love that millie calls john kiddo like I just that's <laughs> I'm just in love with cute. Millie. I just yeah. think it's so sweet. I've been in love with Millie since the trailer. <laughs> I'm so scared for Millie as like I'm the character I'm yeah. most worried about right now is Millie. That I is think true. she's the least likely to survive this this like season, even. Speaking on Millie, I had a couple of quick points about her. So we got a, I think it was on Instagram, like pictures of her dress with like the baby and stuff. And we were like, oh my god, we're getting a flashback. I now want to know if we're actually going to get flashbacks or if that was just for that picture. But the thing is, Gil's coming back. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that's... Yeah, I think that's going to be down the road. I don't think we're going to see them until whatever episode... He's supposed to be in, like, yeah. what, episode seven? I think yeah. that's where we'll see that. Yeah. And I think I wouldn't... Again, I'm wondering if that's what that is. I'm wondering if that's... It is flashback episode, like, scene. I think, yeah. Good. I think that... Mm-hmm. Like, Gil, that's like, why. Like, he can have a voiceover anytime. I think, like, if they're bringing him back, that they want to explore something. And I wonder if we're going to find out about all of our questions about Henry and Millie's marriage are going to get yeah. answered. <laughs> I really hope so. I really hope so. And some of the his- the family or the family history of that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I have so many questions about Henry's family specifically. Oh, God, like, same. Also, there was a pair of glasses in Henry's locker, and we've never seen Henry with glasses before. Mm. Oh, I did also love that they kept referring to the Men of Lenners as paranormal Freemasons. I was like, that's, I, I had to Google what the fuck a Freemason was. So but funny. It's pretty apt. All about the Freemasons. <laughs> so funny and like such a funny, like it was such a good bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so great. character it's revealing. Like, and like a Bigfoot thing too, because like, like Mary's like, that's not real. Yeah, like that yeah. yeah. The other thing uh, under the Millie things I wanted to talk about is when she's having the conversation with John and then they started playing Dean's theme. Yes, and okay, I flipped okay, okay. Out. I did not expect them to use Dean's theme. Beth and I were watching this together <laughs> at like, and it was like, like 1 a.m. for me. We had like both been like dying because the mm-hmm. episode had already been out for like eight hours at that point. And just I was neither like, of us have been able to watch it yet. And and so we're sitting there and we're like both losing our shit, like basically everything that happens. And we both cried. Dean's I think comes on and we both cried. We both <laughs> immediately were like, oh okay, 
okay mm-hmm. that I just I, I didn't I had seen it on Jamie's bingo card yeah I'm and I'm so like, mad oh, about that that would be so <laughs> cool if that happened and then it happened in the first fucking episode I was fully not expecting them to use it and I love that piece of music both because I love the like narrative purpose of it but also just as a piece I think it's beautiful and I am so glad that they used it and it did make me very emotional I would have expected them to use it with Dean with Dean that's what got me for it and yeah. I just I missed it on my first watch entirely because I, I think because I was like it's gonna be where Dean is um the only other so like not to like immediately pivot but like the, there's one other musical cue that we haven't talked about yet and it's like the only other one that, like in the whole show basically the new theme for John and Mary yeah when John and Mary like actually exchange names sort of there's a Patsy Cline song there the name of it just entirely escaped me <laughs> while I was talking <laughs> <laughs> it was walking after midnight by Patsy Cline um, which is a song I always associate with Pretty Little Liars. Like it is a commonly used song in Pretty Little Liars. Just, I'm just like, I don't know what this means. I just know that it's here. I mean, I guess like not about like the song specifically, but if it makes you think of Pretty Little Liars, like I can imagine you could probably apply the term Pretty Little Liar to any of our four main cast. It is like, it is almost like the equivalent of like Dean's theme in Pretty Little Liars. Like it is like A's theme. <laughs> It is it is a character piece in that show. I very quickly want to touch on, but like Carlos hit that demon with a car and then he was like, we'll just leave the body there. He was like, she'll be fine. She'll wake up with like a hangover. I'm like, bro, you hit her with a car. <laughs> like at least tapped her. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. They also left the body of the other demon, like the guy who was dead in the <laughs> holy water. Like they left that guy there to be found as well. I'm like, I guess we're just not... Which seems weird to do it next to the 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 Men of Letters chapter house because you would you wouldn't want people investigating around there. Like they would investigate that building if somebody mysteriously died right outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a like that's bad. In Buffy, like vampires disintegrate, like pretty much for the practical reason of like we don't have we don't have time for Buffy to be dealing with bodies all the time, and like that that seems to Which be an a good choice. problem. Which was <laughs> a good choice because Supernatural spends a lot of time dealing with bodies. Yeah, they spend a lot of time digging in the woods. <laughs> and burning bodies and everything. Very quickly while we're throwing back to like the OG show, one thing that I'm like mm, about, I have always hated when they cut their palms for stuff in Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they immediately did that. Terrible. I'm like, it's the dumbest place you could possibly, like you need have that. You ever, has anyone who's written for Supernatural ever cut themselves on their hand? Okay, there is it's an explanation the for this. There's a reason for this. Oh, really? And that is... Yeah, it's a very practical reason when they're filming because you have the knife and you have the thing that like makes the blood and you just have it in your hand. Right. And it's more right. So it's a it's, filming. It's not. Even if it's yeah, it's it's just it's for filming. It's literally like that's the reason. It's but yeah, I heard your palm is the worst place to cut literally ever. In that case, I'm I guess I'm fine with it, but it it is <laughs> like it is frustrating. To it watch. is for practical effect. <laughs> I'll uh, forgive it. <laughs> No, I, I've seen that completely probably like five or six times today on Twitter. <laughs> I get it. I get that people don't like it. <laughs> like kind of a predictions thing, kind of like not. Like maybe like who do we think Dean's writing this journal 
thing too. Like he's clearly writing to someone. Like he's tell like this voiceover. I is have somebody. no idea until we know where he is. I have no guesses until we yeah, know. Yeah, I really have. Because like it's about entirely it. dependent. I have on a that. top five. I have a top five guesses. I think those okay. are five obvious guesses. Yeah, which are Sam, Cast, Jack, Jody, and Dean Jr. Those are my top five guesses. Of okay, Sweet. I would add Eileen to that list. To round it out a little. I guess bit. I leave, yeah. Because <laughs> like in the for the, some of the same reasons as Jody. Yeah. Like I mean, Jody like, Donna, like someone in the hunting yeah. community, like that's the hunting community. Like I just picked Jody because she's like the one that they are the closest to. Who was like not. I like, know Dean is specifically very close to her. Yeah, like Dean and Jody are. Specific. Yeah, exactly. I genuinely had not thought about that at all. I just kind of assumed that he was keeping it like it's his own journal. Like I thought he was just kind of writing the story for himself. But kind of he's like a Bill writing Go to someone. He's like, like I'm gonna tell you this story. Like this story is for someone. I just yeah. I guess I I guess I was thinking about it kind of like Bilbo Baggins, like in The Hobbit. You know. Like, I guess I, that's fair. Yeah. I guess but like not necessarily for anyone. Frodo. He's writing it for Frodo though. Like he's writing it for his his nephew. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which is how Dean Jr. ended up on the list. Not gonna lie. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. And that's my least favorite option. Yeah, I agree. For the reasons that they would be the, my least favorite option, but we'll 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 see. I, I put Jack on the list, even though I just assume that Jack is gonna know what's happening by yeah. virtue of being Jack. But again, if we're talking alternate universes, maybe yeah. maybe not. Maybe not. Depending on how fa- powerful these Akrita are. I don't remember where I saw it, who came up with it, or, like, what. But I remember when Supernatural was airing, one of the, like, big meta pieces that I remember seeing was about Dean's literal emotional baggage. And, like, when he had that, like, bag or whatever, and whenever he was holding it, it was when it, like, symbolised that he was holding onto some emotional baggage. And then there were, like, mm-hmm. scenes where, like, people would, specific characters would go through the bag and it was symbolic of whatever. I did want to point out Mary Satchel. And the bag that John carries out from the like bunker 2.0. Like I'm I'm just pointing it out now in case it becomes relevant. I don't know if it will, but seeing as it did in Supernatural, I think it's interesting. Like John went in there holding nothing but the letter and the key, and he came out with all of this, you know, this baggage, baggage. You know? Cool. And even Mary went in there. Mary, this whole episode is carrying around that bag. Like it, she's very mm-hmm. rarely seen without it. And so I wonder if that is going to be somehow a similar kind of like meta analysis take. I did remember something else I wanted to talk about. And it was entirely because of what you just said about like, okay, what, they can, what they don't take from the Men of Letters chapter house, which is the book that says Men of Letters on it in huge font. <laughs> Uh, yeah, apparently it's not important. Who are the men of letters? I don't know. You it didn't open the book. Didn't take <laughs> it with you. Sam Winchester is somewhere, like screaming. <laughs> yeah, he's felt a shift in the force. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That book there probably has some fucking answers about who the fuck the men of letters are and what you they're know, doing. That information that might be a little bit helpful. Slightly relevant. Um, it just says, like, it's just a leather bound book that just says men of letters and giant thought font, but, like, we're gonna, we're just gonna wonder about the men of letters? Okay. Guess we'll never solve that oh, mystery. Hilarious. Hilarious, actually. There's a whole lot of stuff in, like, the original show about how, like, the men of letters are, like, kind of, like, classist, like, academic types, but, like, yeah. you know what? The hunters could pick up a book every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the promo next week's episode is called teach your children well which is our first like title episode because the pilot is called the pilot 
I remember we freaked out when we first got this title announcement. I remember the group chat being like, yeah. what does it mean? I have a lot of thoughts about like what this means in terms of like the two dad narratives, like Henry yeah. and Samuel. Oh, I think we're going to get more hints on that. I'm just taking the synopsis straight from nerdsandbeyond.com. So if anyone wants to go read it for themselves, that's where I've got it. But you can find it at a bunch of other places, I'm sure. John and Millie are on different pages about his new interest in hunting and Ada tries to bridge the gap. Mary follows a trail from her father that points to the disappearance of a teenage boy in Topeka. Meanwhile, Carlos has a heart-to-heart with Mary as Latika dives into her books to identify the monster. John Showalter directed the episode written by Robbie Thompson and David H. Goodman. Okay. Do we know a David H. Goodman? Is that a new writer or is that someone who's been uh, on Supernatural? Let me Google. KJ would know. David H. Goodman was an executive producer on Once Upon a Time, specifically like some of the later seasons. Interesting. Okay. So we've got two very experienced writers. He wrote two episodes of Angel. Okay. All right. So Buffy vibes. Gotcha. And then a few other things. And he wrote 32 episodes of Once Upon a Time. Oh, that's a lot. That's a chunk. I'm going to be honest. I know nothing about Once Upon a Time. So throughout the show's like whole run, like his first episode that he wrote is like episode four of the series. And then his last one, I think might be the final episode or like one of the final. It's I think the second last episode. It is. All right. So predictions for next week. Has anyone got any particular thoughts, feelings, fears, hopes, dreams? I think we're going to get John and Mary fake day day next week. Oh, okay. I, I know. I think it's, I, I would have said it's too early, but I think based just kind of on the outfits that they're wearing in the trailer, we're going to get fake mm-hmm. dating. I hope we do because I can tick that right off my bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be super fun. From the synopsis, I'm interested to see Ada bridging a gap between John and Millie. I'm very fascinated to see how the fuck that's going to go down. I think we're going to get some Millie slash Henry backstory because, mm. it, you know, based on what Ada said in this first episode about her relationship with Henry, like, I think we're going to be able to see some crossover there. Whether or not it's the first time they're meeting or they have... They have history. Yeah. Like, either way, it's going to be a very interesting... I am really glad to hear that Lathika's got a storyline next week because uh, she was not in the trailer, like the like visual promo at all. We have got some photos of her though. We have got, because I love her outfit. I would wear mm-hmm. the hell out of her outfit. But in like, in like the little promo that they play like at the end of the episode of like what's coming next week, she's not in that at all. She's just not there. Like Carlos is there, Mary's there, John's there and that's it. And I feel like because we also know that there are going to be a number of like one-off kind of hunts, I feel like this might be one where we get a little bit more overarching plot info and we get more character stuff, but it's going to be a one-off monster. A monster of the week. It's going to be monster of the week and character dynamics. To like set up how they're going to do monster of the week stuff. Exactly. And I'm excited about that because I want to see this crew kind of mesh as a, as a. As much as I did enjoy this pilot, like I did unironically enjoy it. It did obviously suffer from pilot syndrome, which is that like the pacing was like super fast, especially compared to the supernatural pilot is actually quite slow for a pilot. Not a lot happens in that episode for Mm -hmm. it to be a pilot. This there's almost too much. Like there was, like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of exposition. Some of the character stuff feels a little bit too entrenched in like caricature nature because they're Mm -hmm. still like setting those characters up, you know? And like, this is what they sold to the network. They, you know, didn't 100% know where they were going to go with a lot of this stuff yet. And that is so true of basically any pilot ever. 
So I will cut slack for the fact that it is a pilot. I'm not going to complain about pacing or whatever. I thoroughly enjoyed it like, still. So I'm yeah. really okay with the fact that it like it's, has its flaws, but I expect that out of a pilot. And I enjoyed it more than I felt criticism. My biggest thing about a pilot is, do I want to watch the next episode? If they can sell me on that, then I'm like, then I think it's a successful pilot. Forgetting everything else. And I do. I want to watch the next episode. And even if I wasn't a Supernatural fan, I probably would want to watch the next episode. Um, I'm very, I, I'm somewhat invested in finding out where the fuck Samuel is and what he's doing. But, um, cause I swear to God, if he went missing on purpose, like John Winchester style, I'm going to throw something. <laughs> when do you think we're going to have enough information about Dean to like nail down a timeline? Like how much do you think they're going to reveal per episode? Yeah. Based on the, in- what they've said in interviews, I think like halfway through. I've not looked at any interview stuff since like, th- since before the like show it i've not looked basically at what then. it boils down to is that stuff is going to really kick off in episode six the second a half of the season is just going to be like lots of reveals hate, like really intense and then apparently we're supposed to understand everything by the 13th episode apparently yeah, so we're supposed to have a there's going to be i think a big clicking moment of like this is okay. what we were doing this season and but you're not going to get until episode 13 so i think we're going to like start getting big hints They've specified that there are going to be crumbs through the whole season. It's just that things are going to start clicking in season, and sorry, episode six. So do you think and this is going to be the format, like, as far as, like, Dean's concerned? Do you think it's going to be, like, this, like, kind of voiceover at the start and then, like, a little hint at the end? Or, like... We, I, we know that he will be narrating in every episode. We will hear his voice in every episode. That is the one thing. So I don't know if we'll see him in every episode, but we... All they've said definitively is that we will hear his voice in Okay, every interesting. So I will cry in every episode. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to have a little mini breakdown. This, this was pretty much what I was expecting. Like, yeah, more or less. Like, yeah. this is what I was envisioning when I heard narrated by yeah. Jensen slash Dean. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. That's the amount of narration I was expecting. I was. I want to make one more note on the episode 13 piece um, from an interview with mm. Robbie Thompson. Thompson says the episode will show all of our cards in terms of how the writers are making sure the prequel fits cleanly with the history that the show has established. That sounds like meta shit to me. By episode 13, we will know where, why, and how Dean is telling us this story. But he also said, we are not necessarily being totally covert about where Dean is in the timeline, which is an interesting choice of words. I mean, Um, the choices are slim. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are, but he does say there are some instant Easter eggs within the shots that where you see Dean again. And I think savvy fans will probably start to piece it together. He does have both the Samulet and the green Esky. So, yeah, which is, a, is, and the original license plate. And I think, yeah. And I think the coloring too, and the way it's that, like, there's multiple things. And I think maybe what we're going to, that's one episode. We're going to get more. We're also going to apparently learn where Sam is. Oh, but, okay. Cool. Well, I was not expecting said, that. Will make me feel better. He said, without spoiling anything, though, where Dean is in some ways explains where Sam is. Oh, that makes he sense. He said, I'm trying to be as yes. vague as possible, but it was not a sin of omission. We were very deliberate about that because as Dean Winchester said, there ain't no me if there ain't no you. So obviously if there's a Dean, there's a Sam. And if there's a Sam, there's a Dean. Yeah. That makes sense. And I'm glad to know that's going to be addressed because I want to know where my boy is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I am invested, you know, like I. If he's just like out there chilling with his wife and his kid, that's fine. I just want to know that. I just want someone to tell me that. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to know what's going on. (laughs) I don't actually, I don't need to see him. I just need to know he's okay. So next week we're going to be back to talk about episode two, Teach Your Children Well. 
Um, if you want to play along with us and bingo, uh, check our social medias for the bingo spreadsheet. Uh, just don't include stuff that was revealed in the pilot. You know, be fair about playing. For show updates, you can follow us on Twitter at Wayward Parents or on Tumblr at Wayward Parents Podcast. And yeah, come back next week, hopefully, because we will. Yeah, yes, we'll be we'll here. Be here. <laughs> we will be here clowning, as always, about this show that we like a lot more than we thought we would. <laughs> to yeah, be honest. honestly, <laughs> that could be the tagline of the podcast. We liked it. That's the title of this episode. We liked it more than we thought we would. <laughs> that's, that's done. <laughs> <laughs>